Welcome to Devotional, to a brand new lesson on a brand new year. And I wanted to make you aware of some new um, elements to the podcast. Number one, I'm using a brand new app, which has had a little bit of a learning curve for me. So that explains a little bit of the glitches that you may have heard in the last couple of podcasts. But it also brings some um, really cool features like the addition of chapters. So now I'm recording the whole week in just one long episode and I'm adding chapters. So you can skip through the um, recording just like a CD. I'm hoping that that's how it works. Uh, Please give me your feedback. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends if you've been blessed by this. And now, here's the episode. Welcome once again to Devotional. We are starting a brand new year. Uh, Happy New Year. By the way, actually, it's not there yet. Just yet, we're starting on the 29th through January 4th, and this is lesson number one for a study for the next three months on the book of Revelation. So this is lesson number one for Sabbath, December 29th. And uh, I'm so happy that in the providence of God, I'm starting a study, we are starting a study, about a book given to a man living on an island, the island of Patmos. And I am right now on vacation on an island, <laughs> the island of Puerto Rico. Um, though, but it's a very different experience for John, as we will see as we begin this journey. And Sabbath afternoon is an appeal to um, study the book of Revelation, obviously. Um, and the incentive is the blessing. So I know we're busy. I know that once I get back, I already have a trepidation about the many things that have to take place in the, the first three, four months of the year, mission trips, um, a whole bunch of other things. So I know we're busy for me, and I'm, I'm definitely sure it will be busy for you. So um, I'm inviting you to um, use the Version Bible app and listen to the book of Revelation. There's actually a plan that allows you to listen or read if you want to, but I usually just use that, that app to listen for free. And you can listen to the book of Revelation in just 11 days, two chapters a day. It will take you less than five minutes to listen to these. You can listen to them uh, as you do the dishes, as you're driving, um, as you're going for a walk or working out. Um, Anything, those little windows of time. So I have a Bluetooth waterproof speaker that I got for like 10 bucks at Amazon. And sometimes even when I'm taking a shower, I I will use those pockets of time to uh, make time. To expose myself to the Gospels, and in this case, it will be the Book of Revelation. So, I want to invite you to um, start reading it. If, if listening is not your cup of tea, then definitely just sit in the morning and, and read through it, or just get some headphones. And before you get a, go to bed at night, put the headphones on, and the app will remind you. You can set up reminders, and in two chapters a day, in eleven days, you will have re- uh, read or listened to the whole Book of Revelation. There's a blessing promised in the book. And there's another reason that I want to invite you to do this. Um, and it is found in a verse that is quoted on Sabbath afternoon. Second Peter 1.19 says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed or to pay attention to, as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. And it keeps going in regards to prophecy and and the veracity, how true it is. But I like the illustration of prophecy shining in a dark place. Uh, I remember when I first got my driver's license in Pennsylvania, 
I did an experiment that, of course, it, it explains why insurance is so high for teenagers. The cool ideas, quote unquote, cool ideas that we get. And it was a summer night. It was my, my, I was on myself driving on this Pennsylvania country road. I can't remember if I was going or coming back home, going somewhere to be with my friends or coming back home. I just remember that it was nighttime and the moon was out. And I realized, I wonder if I can drive with, with my headlights off. And uh, of course, don't try this anywhere, anytime at all. It's not a good idea. And uh, I quickly realized how perilous it is to turn off your headlights. Even with the light of the moon, it is not enough to see what's ahead of you. Not enough to react to it. So I, I turn off the headlights. And of course, my eyes have adjusted to the light of the headlights. And when I turned it off, everything turned black. And what I thought was going to be sufficient light was not at all so uh, i thought about you know driving i would never drive you and i would never think to drive with our headlights off and so what, i remember one time coming home from church uh, it was maybe 19 o'clock on ford road it's very well well lit um street avenue it's very big and uh, there was someone driving with their headlights off and the reason that they know this is because, of course, there's all these, all these other street lights around. Um, but you don't know that you're driving with your headlights off until you are by yourself in a road where there is no external lights around you. And for many of us, because we are going to church all our lives, we feel that, you know, of course, my headlights are on. But how do you know your headlights are on? How do you know you're not just living off of someone else's light? Of someone else's spiritual experience because Peter makes a personal appeal for you to make sure that you're driving with your headlights on because in life all of us uh, sooner or later we find ourselves in a road in which we are by ourselves and it is dark and the only thing that can guide us and keep us on the road is the assurance the realization that I am driving with my headlights on and for the Christian, this light that shines in the darkness is called prophecy. So this lesson for many of us may be uh, what I became to that driver that I saw on four road coming and going in the opposite direction that I was. Um, I flashed my light to let him know, hey, um, your lights are not on. And you don't realize this because there's other lights around you. But it will be too late for you to realize this once you go into a dark place by yourself. So these lessons are going to be for us a reminder of how much we need to study the book of Revelation. And there's a quote here that I want to read to you as we begin. It's actually in the introduction of the lesson. And uh, it says, The book of Revelation opens with an injunction to us to understand the instructions it contains. Blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy. God declares, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And here it is. When we as a people understand what this book means to us, there will be seen among us a great revival. We do not understand fully the lessons that it teaches, notwithstanding the injunction given us to search and study it. This was written by Ellen White in a book called Testimonies to Ministers and Gospel Workers, page 113. And this is the opening introduction of the Sabbath School lesson. What, you, what this implies is that myself, you and I, we need to 
put effort in these next three months. Not simply for the next three months, but so that it can affect the way we live. So that we can have a prophetic worldview of our lives, of ourselves. Because Peter says that the prophetic word is like a light that shines in a dark place. And we definitely need that light in our world today. I forgot to mention on the first part of this podcast that uh, I'm going to be recording in just one long episode and posting it at the beginning of the week, but I am going to be separating it into chapters so that you can just skip forward um, or backwards by chapters, kind of like when you skip a CD and you skip to a new song. Um, I'm hoping at least that that's how it works uh, because it will help with streamlining this content for you. Um, and hopefully you'll have not everything in just one place so that you can reference to the lesson by days. And today's lesson is for Sunday, um, December 30th. Sorry, I'm still adjusting to the newness of the new year. Sunday, December 30th. And we're going to be looking at the title of the book, the book Revelation. And it highlights Jesus as our high priest. Now, the lesson correctly points out that the book Revelation and the book of Hebrews are the only books that really accentuate and expand and point into what Jesus is doing right now for us, um, what it means for him that he is our high priest. And the lesson says something really powerful that, that caused a train of thoughts in my mind. It says that the book Revelation begins where the Gospels end. And of course, all the Old Testament culminate um, in the Gospels with the fulfillment of Christ's coming. But there is more in the Old Testament that goes beyond the the gospels so the book of revelation really is like the end of a funnel where everything just concentrates on this one specific area and the book of revelation brings the gospels and all the old testament into a cohesive unit of symbols um now before we get into all the symbols that we find in the book of revelation um, there's an experience that is promised i mean we talked about the blessing yesterday right but you know something that i noticed it says, blessed is he who reads, who hears, reads, and keeps. But it never mentions the blessing itself. What is this blessing? Uh, we hinted at it yesterday when we read that quote from Gospel Workers. But I want to read it to you from the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 24, verse 32. Uh, this is uh, Sunday morning, resurrection morning. Uh, actually, probably towards the end part of the day. Um, and these two disciples are on the road to Emmaus. And I love this passage. If you've been in Monroe Church or Oakwood Church, you know that I've used this passage quite often. Um, it reads as follows. And they said, these two disciples said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? All Jesus did was take all the Old Testament prophecies that uh, surrounding his uh, incarnation and his humiliation and crucifixion and expounded on that. He revealed to them the cross. Now, if the book of Revelation picks up where the Gospels end, um, if the cross was glorious, and this is Jesus in his humanity, the book of Revelation presents Jesus glorified. And if the disciples' hearts burned within them 
when they could see the, the humiliation of the Messiah, how much more when we get to see glimpses of his glorification? Because that's how Jesus is introduced in the book of Revelation chapter 1 as the glorified Christ, as the glorified Messiah. Jesus in his glory, unhindered, uh, unrestrained. And it, it, we understand why when John sees him, he falls as someone that is dead. All his strength is gone. Now, we are told those things, but we can also see those that glory um, through the symbols of the book of Revelation. That's the blessing. The blessing is that we get to see Jesus glorified as we hear, read, and keep the things that are in this book. Jesus victorious and glorified in the book of Revelation. And so I'm going to read to you that one part of that quote that says, When we as a people understand what this book means to us, it's a personal revelation understanding, there will be seen among us a great revival. And then continues, We do not fully understand fully the lessons that it teaches. I want to understand more fully than I have in the past. How about you? I want to experience a personal great revival. And as a pastor, I want to see a personal great revival in the lives of my members, you and me. Is that something you desire? This is going to be a life-changing next three months as we seek to receive this blessing of seeing Jesus, not just in his humiliation, but now Jesus victorious and glorified. Now we're on to Mondays for lessons for December 31st. And I forgot to mention, um, I was inspired by being in an island. And so you 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 notice that by the sounds of the waves. And I've also realized this book was written in Turkey. Um, and so I try to give the, the theme music a little bit of a Middle Eastern uh, flavor to it. Uh, so just wanted to explain a little bit of to why those slight tweaks to the intros to this um, podcast. The book tells us that that is the big purpose of it. You need to hear it, read it, and then keep it. But the core part for us is to be read. Um, it's just as a historical side note, one of the reasons that it mentions hearing the book uh, is because many of the people were of Gentile origin, Greek origins, and the Greeks, the pagans, Rome, did not really invest in educating the poor, the lower social classes. Not like the Jewish people. Jesus was extremely poor. His parents were extremely poor. But in the Gospel of Luke, it tells us that Jesus got up to read, which highlights the contrast between the educational worldview of the pagans. Only the wealthy ought to be educated. Uh, the, the poorer social classes let them re remain uneducated. And at the core of education is reading. Reading is empowerment. In the Jewish worldview, every synagogue had the burden of teaching their children how to read that one gift alone would open up tremendous doors of opportunities for financial success but most importantly for for spiritual growth for spiritual foundations 
So please, uh, I, I'm going to highlight again, this, as, as we begin this book, read the book. Spend time reading this book. There's a blessing in there for you. Now, on Monday, we are giving a warning. And I appreciate the way that Dr. Stefanovich is systematically preparing us to engage this book. And it's a warning against guarding our hearts with wanting a false high or a false revival. We just read, and we talked about this in the first two days of this podcast, how our hearts can burn as we see Jesus glorified. But there is people, individuals, who have uh, taken the book Revelation and, and misapplied and given their own take into it. And I'll say this straightforward. There is a high in fear. You do get a high in being scared and being told things that provoke reactions out of fear. When the disciples said that their hearts were burning within them, it was because of love. They finally understood the love of God through the sacrifice of the Messiah. And that's what caused the burning in their hearts. It was a, an, a reawakening of love the way that they had never experienced it before. Now, I'm going to say some highlights because I had my own personal experience with sensationalism. Um, individuals that take the book Revelation and try to capitalize it for personal financial gain usually or power control. And we don't want to be deceived into those groups that will control us through fear, um, per self-preservation. All of these things have one common uh, denominator. And I don't know if you're listening to this and you may be wondering, um, am I, am I, is my religious life driven by fear? Um, do I want to know prophecies so that I can uh, stay away from trouble, not, not experience tribulation? Well, those are all wrong reasons to study prophecy. The book Revelation tells us that you and I ought to study prophecy to get a glimpse or glimpses, uh, deeper, broader glimpses of Jesus glorified. That gives us hope and courage for the one thing, the mission. And that is the one thing that all of these sensationalist, uh, itinerant preachers out there um, eh, have in common. They have no passion for the world, for the lost. They usually... Um, are predators for the church. They come into churches and try to take people and, and disturb and divide and fragment churches and they think they're doing the Lord's work when they're not. I had my own personal experience in 1997 in Bolivia when a former pastor from Cuba came and began to give false interpretations, a whole bunch of false interpretations. And the one that I can remember that I thought was like, oh, it's so cool. He said, you know, the three, the 666, he's like, everybody's wrong with a 666. Look at what I've discovered. There's three sixes. And if you multiply three times six, you know what you get? 1998. And we are in 1997. And then he said, what, what's going to happen in 1998? That is of significance. The World Cup. All the world is going to be in France, he said. And in France... You remember the French Revolution? Yeah, you know, and the, the Vatican is going to do something to France to pay back for what they did in the French Revolution, for putting the Pope in prison, and you just watch, and this is going to be a catalyst for the end-time events. And all of these speculations of sensationalism that scared people to quit jobs, sell their homes, move into the country, what I told you, self-preservation, the gospel doesn't make you want to preserve your life. Jesus says, he who loses his life for my sake and the gospels will gain it. 
So this is the antichrist gospel of sensationalism because it makes you react completely opposite of how the gospel would lead you to, to, to live. I left, for the gospel's sake, my career as a nurse, willingly because of the love of God in my life, because of what he has done for me. So this is not the purpose of this book. Um, these individuals will ignore the mission and you will get caught up with not wanting to share Jesus with others. You will share the errors and mistakes of church leaders or mistakes of the churches. And those are all the things that give you a clear indication of who you are listening to, who you are following. Follow someone that will lead you and encourage you and present to you Jesus glorified. Jesus in his majesty, Jesus victorious. Jesus is our high priest as our intercessor. Those are the pictures that are rich and full in the book of Revelation. True interpretation sees, sees Jesus and produce peace in our storm, not fear. Seeing Jesus glorified produces joy and hope that give continual energy and vision and creativity for the mission. It doesn't make you neglectful, it makes you more efficient. These are the flags, these are the, the true tests of whether you are following interpretations that are biblical or interpretations that have been infected by human minds and are our own devisings. This three months promises for us the opportunity to experience a personal revival because for many of us, this may be the first time we see Jesus as he truly is. We are now on Tuesday, January 1st, so now we can say Happy New Year. Um, and today's lesson is the symbolic language of Revelation. I'm not going to spend too much time. The, the, the Today's lesson is actually extremely important for you to um, understand. I'm just going to read to you some parts that um, I think you should read on your own and, and highlight and understand things that stand out to you. Uh, this one paragraph that says, for the most part, the language used to describe Revelation's prophecies must not be interpreted literally. As a rule, the reading of the Bible in general presupposes a literal understanding of the text, unless the text points to intended symbolism. But when we read Revelation, unless the text points to a literal meaning, we need to interpret it symbolically. So the default in Revelation is symbolic, but for the rest of the Bible, it's literal. So we, we have to um, engage the book with this hermeneutic tool. And that hermeneutic, right? I said it. What in the world is a hermeneutic? Um, it's simply uh, the process of correct interpretation. That's what all it means. Pro good hermeneutics is good methods of interpreting the Bible. And if you want to interpret the book of Revelation correctly, you have to understand that most of it is written in symbolic language. 
Um, the, the lesson continues to say, we must be careful not to impose on the text a meaning that comes out of human imagination, like I told you yesterday, you know, 3 times 666, 1998. I can't tell you how many people's faiths were injured by this and the many other false interpretations that appear to be so good. And people said, but look at the fruits. People are praying more. People are, you know, making all these sacrifices for God. Uh, all those individuals are no longer in the church either. The children of those parents that did all these things are no longer in the church either. And that individual will have to give a great uh, accountability to God for the destroy and many others that do the same thing. But God will not excuse anyone. You have a Bible in front of you and you can read it. And that's the point of Tuesday's lesson. Again, a strong appeal. These symbolic languages don't come from the news. They don't come from, like it says in, their, in our imaginations, they come from the Bible. It comes from the Old Testament. Most of them come from the Old Testament. So the appeal to read the book of Revelation will by default call you to read the Old Testament as well. And guess what? Your pastor has not, is not only inviting you to read the book of Revelation using the Version Bible app so that you can listen to it, so that we can no longer say, I am too busy, because now we will have time to at least listen to it this in our phones, since our phones are always with us. Um, you cannot only just read the book of Revelation in just 11 days. It's not it's a little bit of time. You can hear the book of Revelation in, two, in, in 11 days. And um, starting the new year, I've already sent out invitations to listen to the whole Bible throughout the upcoming, upcoming year. Without being familiar with the Old Testament, you will not be able to pick up on the usage of these the symbols from the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. So you need both. So at the end of the day, there are no shortcuts. Like I stole, I told my dear friend, Steve Haddix, uh, him and I have been studying for about three years, and um, he just got baptized this past year, uh, 2018. <laughs> uh, it's weird to say that, it's January 1st. Um, makes it seem like a long time ago. Um, I told him at the beginning of our studies together, you need to read the Bible, all of it, and you won't understand it at first. But if you keep reading it through over and over again, it will begin to make sense. He is finishing his fourth round of going through the Bible. And he's like, you're right. Now I get it. Now I understand. Now things are connecting in my mind. So my, my brother, my sister, today can be the year of your own personal spiritual revival in which you experience understanding who God is in ways you never have before because of two things. For the first three months of this year, we are engaging the book that exalts Christ victorious and glorified before our minds. And we will be invited to be familiar, become more familiar with the entirety of the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. Both of which find their, their concentration, their, their, their mixed concentration in the book of Revelation. I am so happy that you're listening to these. And I hope that today's lesson compels you, convicts you, inspires you to read through the book of Revelation and begin to read through the entire Bible. We are now on Wednesday, January 2nd, 
and it's entitled The Godhead, which may not be the most exciting title, but man, is the content of his beautiful. The book of Revelation begins in a very unexpected way. It introduces the Godhead. It introduces the Godhead in a way that is extremely tender and actually unpredictable. For the most part, growing up, even in the Adventist church, I had an idea of God the Father as the angry one. He's upset because we're, we've sinned. We've rebelled against him. The Holy Spirit, you know, he is kind of like the, the, the mediator kind of thing. But Jesus is the happy one. Jesus is the one that loves us and calms the Father down. That was my incorrect view of the Godhead. In the book of Revelation, it completely obliterates that, that view of God completely. Because grace comes from the Father, grace comes from the Holy Spirit, and grace comes from Jesus. All three of them are the givers of grace to the human race. And I wrote uh, three sentences down for this day. Uh, when it says that the Father and Jesus have given us grace and peace, grace and peace from Him. And in the epistles, it adds the Holy Spirit, which is mentioned later on in the book of Revelation. I, I realized um, God the Father gave us Jesus, His Son. That's what John 3.16 says. John chapter 16 tells us that the Holy Spirit will glorify and reveal Jesus to us. And of course, Jesus is the one that reveals the Father through His love and self-sacrifice. And all of this is the gift of grace that produces peace. God, the Father, has provided this. He's not angry. He's not upset. He, if, if we could understand who Jesus is, we will understand the Father. And that's why this book of Revelation is so important. Because as it highlights Jesus, it glorifies and exalts Christ. The more we understand Christ, the more we will understand the Father. Jesus said it. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And to understand the completeness of God's character transforms us by beholding we become changed. Now, this grace that produces peace is not an abstract thinking. The book of Revelation tells us how Jesus has shown us this grace, how God the Father has given us this grace, why this grace is necessary. It says, He who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. He who loved us and washed us from our sins. Um, that's the New King James Version, the New, New International, New American, and other translations um, translate the Greeks a little different, but highlights, they complement each other beautifully. It says, He who has set us free or released us from our sins. So this highlights the double work of grace in our lives. Um, the blood of Christ forgives us, it washes us, but it also sets us free. Sin no longer needs to control your thoughts and your emotions, which are the source of our choices, values, and behaviors. Um, the, the blood of Christ, his, the, the view, the understanding of God through Jesus, completely disarms all our prejudices and hatred and anger and blaming God for the aches and hurts that we have down here. It completely removes that distortion that sin has brought into our lives. And it forgives our mistakes. It, re it releases us from that experience. Um, I recently was teaching Sabbath school here in Puerto Rico. And I know, I know. But it's okay. I, it's not work for me. I love it. Um, Psalms 32, uh, verses 1 through 5 says, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And blessed means happy. Uh, how blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. 
How does, why does it end with deceit, right? Verse 3 tells us, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all the day. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fevers, fever heat of summer. Verse 5 concludes, I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's a precious experience to be forgiven. And it reveals the grace of God. It reveals the grace of the Father who gave His Son so that we could be forgiven. It reveals the grace that we receive through the Holy Spirit who both convicts us of sin and of the righteousness of Christ. It convicts us of what we need to surrender and have be washed away from and to receive from God that we cannot produce in ourselves, that righteousness. And we will learn about righteousness in the book of Revelation. This experience of forgiveness is a powerful transforming experience because it produces peace. Jesus says, My peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives it. How is it that we can have peace with peace? It's because we have peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No human can experience peace if they do not have peace with their God. And we have peace. We can experience peace when we receive the washing of our sins, the being set free from our sins through the blood, through the sacrifice of Jesus. And God the Father wants you and I to experience that peace today, and we can receive it by faith. We are now on Thursday, January 3rd. Uh, we're closing down the week and we close it with a actually revisit to something we talked about quite extensively in the previous lesson, uh, the promise of the second coming of Christ. Remember, that's how we learned how we ended the last uh, quarter, focusing on that promise, Christ's promise to come again. Now, the question at the end of today's lesson is really powerful. I thought it was very good. It says a promise is only as strong as the integrity of the person giving it and his or her ability to fulfill it. That statement produced a whole bunch of uh, state questions in my mind um, in regards to promises. And the questions that I have is, who do you trust? Who do, who, who do you trust? Because a trust or belief in someone's promise means implies a, a trusting that person itself. Um, if you don't trust that person, it doesn't matter how much they elaborate and make the promise pretty, um, it doesn't or how much flowery language they use in that promise or if they put it in writing even it doesn't mean a thing um, who do you trust why do you trust this person how have you been able to know that you can trust this person um, of course this all implies a person in a relationship which implies a past a build up of past experiences 
and why do why have we learned to trust this person is a consistent dependable dependable committed revelation from this person they are committed to us we can depend on them and we have seen this in a consistent way um, I'm going to switch gears real quick uh, in, in regards to this why do we trust who do we trust you know we we as children we we do not trust we do not trust as we are born all we know is that we have needs we have needs of hunger comfort security uh, nurturing as a baby all of those are needs that are exhibited through that one word that children can only express crying I'm hungry I cry my diaper I cry which for me as a parent was a bit confusing and frustrating at time you know you're crying why are you crying please tell me what you learn along the ways in moms and grandparents uh, grandmas are very good at deciphering those cries but what they, I thought about this all the child knows is that they have needs but they don't trust they just know they have a need trust is learned babies the reason that they are so attached to their parents is because out of all the humans that surround them they have learned that these humans are committed to them they they have learned that they can depend on these two humans mom and dad to provide and satisfy their needs and that these individuals have done this with a high level of consistency no parent is perfect but a child will learn in the overall picture of things that I have I can trust these two individuals that is a learned process no one is born trusting we are all born knowing that we have needs experiencing needs and maybe babies don't even know sometimes they have needs I mean my little girls are older and sometimes they need a nap and I tell them let's go to rest and you know what they say right I'm not tired I don't need a nap you lay them down for five minutes and they're snoring they're exhausted so that leads us to a deeper question what are our needs because if trust is something that is learned and I learned to trust someone that has met my needs in a committed dependable consistent way what are my needs because this is the, the failure of humanity and why we get seduced to worshiping idols all the time so easily we don't know our needs and because we we have wants and not needs we confuse the two idols selfish idols that you know meet the needs of a selfish heart appear to feel the needs of the human heart when they don't what are your needs do you sense your need of forgiveness of your sins more than need of money pleasure or solutions to problems that are only relevant to earth to this short time that we spend here do you sense your need of forgiveness of sin because we have already seen the trajectory of the book of Revelation it begins by revealing the grace and the peace that we receive from God the Father God the Holy Spirit and God uh, the Son Jesus Christ and that grace and peace centers upon him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his blood set us free from our sins by his blood he loved us this is how God shows his love to us his committed dependable consistent love to us because he has forgiven us of our sins this is our highest need no other need supersedes the needs of our forgiveness of sin 
This is highlighted in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke. When a paralyzed man is brought to Jesus by four of his friends, they break through the roof. It is evident that he's paralyzed. That's his need, right? It is obvious what his need is. He's a paralyzed man. He needs to be healed so that he can move again. Yet Jesus, the only thing he says to that man when he looked at him is, Take courage, my son. Your sins are forgiven you. And the paralyzed man does not balk, does not complain, does not say, that's nice, but that's not really why I came. When that man hears Jesus proclaim forgiveness towards him, he remains in silence and awe. He is one that has understood and knows what his true need has been all along. His friends brought him here thinking he needs to walk, he needs to move. But Jesus knew he needs forgiveness. And that is our need today. Do you sense your need of forgiveness? And if you have experienced forgiveness of sin, has this brought joy, gratitude, and a response of worship from you? When your greatest needs are met, our response is in proportion to that need. If you were $20,000 in debt and your grandma for Christmas gave you a tiny little envelope with a check for $20,000, which allowed you to get out of debt, to pay off your creditors and no longer have bad credit and no longer have that weight of financial debt on your life. Would you respond with greater joy for that than for the forgiveness of your sins? The book of Revelation will bring a spiritual revival because it will reveal to us more powerfully, more fully, more beautifully all that Jesus has done when he has forgiven us our sins and allowed peace to once more be between me and God, between you and your God. May this be our experience that as we engage the book of Revelation personally, our love for our Lord would be in proportion to the sins he has forgiven us because he loved us. We are now on Friday, January 4th, the last day of this first week of this lesson in the book of Revelation, and I've been blessed, tremendously encouraged, inspired, and I hope you have as well. Um, just some thoughts from this paragraph. Um, it's, again, an interpretive hermeneutical rule, and you now know what hermeneutics means. Proper, Good hermeneutics means good interpretation of the Bible, and it highlights how the book of Revelation have uh, elements that belong to the past, to the present and to the future, which protects us from preterism, which we will learn more in the upcoming podcast, which basically simply says all prophecies have been fulfilled in the past. It protects us from futurism that puts the entire book of Revelation from Revelation chapter 4 and onwards into the future, so we don't need to study it uh, until sometime in the future, or it doesn't apply to us until sometime in the future. Um, we have an ongoing flow, and we're in the middle of it. And I want to read to you the middle of it. It talks about the past, present, 
and the future, but it's insightful how this lesson highlights our present state. It says, some bring to view the close and great conflict between the powers of darkness and the prince of heaven. That is speaking about right now. It talks about the scenes depicted in the past, some reveal in triumph and joys of the future, but right now it reveals a conflict, the great conflict between the powers of darkness and the prince of heaven. You and I are in the midst of a huge spiritual warfare. And the battlefield is our hearts and minds, our thoughts and feelings, which becomes the foundation for our character, for our decisions, for our values and priorities. It is there that the battle wages most fiercely. I can guarantee you that after listening to these uh, short episodes, if you've been inspired and convicted to go home or to open your Bibles, if you're listening to this at home, and engage the Word of God to see Jesus uplifted and glorified and victorious and to experience a personal spiritual revival, you and I are willingly entering into the heat of this great battle between the powers of darkness and the Prince of Heaven, which means that you and I cannot take this book as if we were just learning how to do origami or how to make, buff make bake muffins. This is not a book about light things. This is a life-changing book. And Satan does not want your life changed. Satan does not want you to experience a spiritual revival. But the book of Revelation doesn't focus on a victorious enemy. It focuses on a victorious Christ. Which means that if someone does not want you to read the book of Revelation, there's someone more powerful that wants you to read it. So I'm going to close with a verse from the book of Revelation that will encourage you to not be intimidated that as you begin to experience a revival in your prayer life, a revival again in your devotional life, and the enemy begins to discourage you, attack you, attack your thoughts, attack your life, attack your money, attack whatever, like Job, don't be discouraged. The book of Revelation tells us in Revelation 12, 11, and they, that's you and me, overcame him, that's the adversary, because of the blood of Jesus and because of the word of our testimony. And they, we, did not love our life even when faced with death because we love Jesus more. The book of Revelation will lead you to love Jesus more, more than anything. And Satan may try to discourage you but the Spirit of God will be there present to encourage you. We are facing a defeated foe. The book of Revelation already speaks about you and I being empowered to overcome him, not in our strength, but by the blood of the Lamb.